You're listening to Radio HIS. Welcome to Radio HIS. Radio for you, by you, by you, for you. In today's episode, we'll be talking about Great Ten Camp and our experience at Animal Asia. This podcast is made by Bao, Ming, Miling, and Zhong. After many years, this year we got to go from Nya for our camp. The place we stayed at was from Nya for stay and it was really comfortable. It was actually very eco-friendly and there was very little waste. Um, yeah, there was no waste at all. There are no plastic bottles they, and they only use glass bottles. For our schedule, the first day we went inside a dark cave and there were activities like zipline, mud baths, and after that we went swimming. We actually planned for other activities, but then it was raining a lot, so we had to change our schedule. And uh, on the next day, we went to Animal Asia, which is an animal shelter to work on our services action. Well, because you did mention it, how has everyone's experience at Animal Asia? Okay, so for me, we dug up some banana trees, which developed our teamwork and gained some experience on how to dig up a banana trees. I was really tired because we were panting, I mean, we were digging under the sun. I was exhausted, but we have lunch later and rest for a bit. After that, we went to help the other uh, team on gardening. Between the break, I got to play with a monkey next to the garden, which somehow bring me some joys. Overall, it was really, really hot and super tiring, but I enjoyed it somehow. Uh, I also dug up banana trees and I was actually kind of tired because of lack of sleep on like the previous day. But we worked as a team so it was much easier for me and it also improved my teamwork skills. Uh, later on when we finished, I was exhausted but we had uh, a break for lunch. And uh, after lunch, we helped the other group with like gardening and planting banana trees that we dug up. Uh, for me, the day was really fun and it was a new experience since I don't go gardening that often. So I really enjoyed my time at Animal Asia. Oh yeah, and uh, we did all of this to provide food for the animals, which were all very beautiful and interesting in their own way. At first, I was helping my group to clean up an area of the garden in front of the house. There was a little rain after that and the soil got soft than ever. Uh, and my shoes as well as the other one got really dirty, uh, making us hard to stand on the ground. And we had a break later on, and after that was lunch. The restaurant was not far away from where we were doing work. Lastly, I came back with my team and helped them plant trees at the end. This personal experience was not bad for me, but I don't really want to do it again in that weather. Um, for me, it was also really tiring and extremely hot because we were working in the sun for a long time. We had to do a lot of tasks, so we had to split in many groups. Though it was really tough and tiring, we got to experience a lot of new things and we got to learn new things and work together. So it was kind of fun at the same time. And in Malaysia, we met a, we met a very special guest, Mr. Harry. Who will be giving us a bit more information about Animal Asia? Okay, 
uh, shall we shall we start now? Yeah, whenever you whenever you want. Um, firstly, uh, can you give us um, an introduction about yourself and what you do? My name is Harold Browning. I'm a captive animal welfare expert working for Animals Asia. I was sent to Vietnam in 2015 to build a bear sanctuary to rescue bears from the um, from bile bear trade and the farms there. And while I was building that, I started working in government-run rescue centres to help them. And I discovered that the government rescue centres had a lot of um, difficulties and challenges they were facing. So then I left the bear sanctuary to now I just focus on government-run rescue centres. And I'm slowly trying to work in all of them from the north of Vietnam to the south of Vietnam. And you are joining me at where I currently am, which is Phung Nha. I've done 900 kilometres so far. Uh, okay. I've got way to go. That, sorry, that was, that's my introduction. Okay. Uh, so, how can we contribute to help your organization? How can you contribute to help my organization? Um, that's a difficult question. My organization, I suppose, to help what I do as a member of the public would be just to be conscious about wildlife how it enters the trade, what you're doing, and what activities you do within your own personal life which do affect animals, ecosystems, and nature. Like, don't buy turtles to eat and stuff like that because then they get confiscated. If you are going to have a pet, I would recommend keeping it to domesticated species and not exotic species because they cause a lot of problems. Um, yes, yeah, just what the public can do is essentially to to not illegally confiscate, illegally um, take wildlife, I suppose. Apart from that, donations welcome to Animals Asia, or just, yeah, um, get involved in days that Animals Asia do in Hanoi, or um, ask your local rescue centre if they need help, if they need volunteers, what they want. Uh, so, how do you help the animals? How do I help them? Um, I try to focus my work on what is needed in each place I go. So the challenges are always quite different. For, for Vietnam, firstly, the information on how to look after an animal properly doesn't normally exist in Vietnamese. So the people who work in the government centres, they're all Vietnamese, they're all employed by the government. They don't speak English. So the first thing I can do is when they get a new animal in is to find out all the information I can find out about that animal in English from going through research papers and stuff like that and then get that translated into Vietnamese which is what Ling does for me, I, I can't do that. And then they have the information about the animal. Then once they've done that, it's about going through how the animal lives, what it does and what we need to do to get it released and working out a solution with how we can do that within its in captivity. And this involves um, enclosure design. I learned to enclosure designs and do CAD designs and stuff like that so I can design the enclosures, the furnishings, um, which is the logs and stuff that go in the cages that help with natural behaviours, the diet, getting the diet right and doing that. I do all of that. The medication and getting international vets over to train veterinarians. We do all of that. This could go on forever, by the way, in case you want me to stop there. There's a, I could go on for ages with this. And then release sites, where the animals are released, how to release them, release methodologies from around the world, getting funding internationally, getting expertise internationally that they can then come into Vietnam to show these rescue centres they're doing well. It, yeah, loads and loads of things. Here I designed a cabinet for a rhino fossil because they didn't know how to present a fossil. So I got hold of someone in a museum to do that for them. So it, it can be whatever they need. But yeah, whatever they need to help them, I try and help.
around how many animals um, did you guys have so far? Since I've been in Vietnam? Yes. Somewhere around 12,000. Um, so, but that is, that is involving the Bear Sanctuary and the three government centres I work in. So it's not just me alone, it's me from Animals Asia and the government centres. Um, and how did your organization start and um, what difficulties are there? So the difficulty is explaining that, really. Our organization is split into two halves. One half is the bear team, the other half is the captive animal welfare team. The bear team started in the early 2000s in Vietnam and they built a bear sanctuary, to, uh, in China, sorry, to um, rescue animals from bear bowl farming only. So they just had bears. Animals Asia then started in Vietnam, in Tam Dao National Park, doing exactly the same thing. My side of Animals Asia is the captive animal welfare side. And essentially we started from people campaigning against traveling circuses and things like that. Yeah. So they didn't want wild animals in circuses, so they were campaigning against that. My specific part started in 2015 when I was helping a government, when I was helping a government run rescue centre while designing the bear sanctuary. And once the bear sanctuary was built, we then, I then quit that job and just applied to all the NGOs in Vietnam to let me help the government run rescue centres. The challenges in that have been huge and they go on forever, such as they, people don't trust you. They don't know who you are. They don't want you to work there. They worry that you're going to shame them. They worry you're going to say they're bad people. They worry you're going to take money away from them. And so there's a lot of mistrust and it takes years of working with people before they genuinely will let you work with them and help them. Um, and in which countries can we find uh, Animal Asia? Uh, in terms of sanctuary work, you can find us in Vietnam and China. In terms of animal welfare work further, um, Indonesia, because I designed a monkey sanctuary in Indonesia for them uh, under an NGO called Scorpion, but Animals Asia helped them. There's also an amazing NGO in Indonesia that work on confiscating birds. And have you ever heard of Silent Forest program? Silent Forest is like, all the forests in Vietnam should have loads of bird life, but it's all been poached and it's all gone. Not just through poaching, also habitat change and destruction as well. So the forests are going silent. So they're trying to bring birds back or to stop the poaching of birds. And they will confiscate 10,000 birds in one go and then work on getting them released. So Animals Asia support flight in that. And then they just have stuff to raise awareness in loads of countries. They have offices in England, America, Australia, loads of, loads of places. Um, what are the goals for Animal Asia in the near future? The goals for Animals Asia is to end bear bowl farming. That really is their main goal. For my part of it, which is separate to Animals Asia's main goal, because I very much work on my own. I work for Animals Asia, but under a completely different section with a different boss. So I'm not the representative of Animals Asia, really. Um, so my goals is to make Vietnam the best country for animal care in the world and to end the illegal wildlife trade here. Like, everyone looks at the West, like England, and goes, oh, England looks after animals better. They don't. The care for animals in England is really bad. There's no natural forest left in Europe, yeah? Until you get to Eastern Europe, all the forests in Europe are man-managed, which means we have lost huge amounts of species. Now you look at England, where I'm from, on its own. Bears, extinct. Beavers, recently reintroduced but extinct. Lynx, extinct. 
wolves extinct. All of our animals are extinct and were made extinct about 200 years ago. Vietnam doesn't have that. Vietnam has animals that have gone extinct, but you still have forest that is untouched with its animal species in it. You have a real chance to lead the world in animal conservation and care. But damn, Vietnam is slow doing it. My God, you're slow. So, and even with the like enclosures and stuff like that, you have natural forests and things like that, which England doesn't have. Your enclosures and animal care could be way better than the rest of the world, but they don't realise this potential. So I suppose by trying to help and working with the government to realise this potential means we're not relying on funding from other NGOs. We're not relying on funding from the public. The government is taking control and hopefully will make Vietnam the best country in the world for animals. Whether that's a short-term goal or a long-term goal, I don't know, but I will be stuck here until it happens, I suppose. Um, and my last question is, um, does Animal Asia have any social media or website to promote them? Animals Asia has loads of social media and websites. If you go to animalsasia.org, I'm guessing it is, they will have loads of stuff. What you won't find on there is me or anything to do with me because I work under, not undercover, but I work hidden from everyone else because a lot of people wouldn't understand what I'm trying to do. So I'm not in communication posts. I'm not in fundraising posts. I'm not in any of that. You won't find any of my work in that. Yeah, no, we're the, we're the, we're the, we're the covert ops part of it. And you don't take so much budget from someone you don't have you have the flexibility to do what you think is right yeah the link raise if you if you go under this is now going to get me fired but anyway if you go under like animals asia and you take a budget from animals asia and stuff like that they then want you to focus on projects that can look good and get money back but a lot of my work doesn't look good and won't make money from fundraising so this is why i don't take a budget from animals asia this is why I work and try and find money myself and do it that way because then no one can tell me what to do. If there's something that needs doing that won't generate fundraising, I can do it. Yeah, which is why I end up in places like this. <laughs>
and we learn a lot of useful information. Uh, in general, it was fun even though I couldn't participate in every activity such as riding bike due to the bad weather. But this was the first time after two years of quarantine, so I felt good to be a part of. Well, I guess we should end off here. Thank you for listening to our podcast today and stay tuned for the next episode. Radio HIS 103.4